Welcome to the Preserving Family Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to equip you to gain insight, information, and inspiration to help you protect, teach, and guide your family during these turbulent times. Our goal is to provide tools and resources to help you strengthen and preserve your own marriages and families. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Mark and Janie Ogletree. Well, we are really grateful to be here this week, no pun intended, but one of our favorite times of the year is Thanksgiving time. It's really become a favorite holiday in our family. Gratitude and the expression of gratitude is one of the things we believe that can bind families together and it can strengthen families and help preserve families. When you're sharing your gratitude with each other, then once again, it's, it's building a bond, right? It's creating a strong relationship uh, with that person that you're expressing that to. We're really excited that it's Thanksgiving week. I think Thanksgiving week or Thanksgiving day or however we look at it is stuck here at the end of the year, right before Christmas for a reason. I, I love that it's right before Christmas because, and then at the end of the year, because I think we think about the blessings that we've had through the years, maybe the struggles through this year, you know, what happened throughout the year. As so, you reflect, right? As we reflect and and think about that and heading into Christmas where we are so grateful for the Savior and for his birth and, you know, and all those things. But I feel like Thanksgiving really gets like overrun, you know, here in Utah, especially, I don't know what (laughs) the hype is over Halloween, but it's a huge deal. (laughs) And Christmas is a huge deal. And I feel like sometimes we just skip by through like, oh, let's get Thanksgiving over with so that we can move on to Christmas. But I think we really need to pause and make it a big deal in our family. We've talked to before about traditions and making big things big or important things big. And I think we need to do that with Thanksgiving. Right. Because it really is an incredible attribute and an incredible, it's a commandment, first of all, that we teach our children to be grateful and that we ourselves are grateful. But it's also an incredible value or virtue even whether whether you're religious or not it's just an incredible way to live your life in the you know in the in the spirit of of thanksgiving and gratitude right yeah i love that janie because i think in the world that we live in and we've talked about this before but where there's selfishness where there's narcissism you know where there's uh you know pride one of the great insulators and protectors from those tendencies i think is to be grateful You've always been good at that and teaching our children to be grateful and now, and now grandchildren. And I think there's great purpose in that. In fact, I think gratitude is one of the most underrated Christ-like attributes there is. Here's President James E. Faust years ago. He said, a grateful heart is a beginning of greatness. It's an expression of humility. It's a foundation for the development of such virtues as prayer, faith, courage, contentment, happiness love and well-being it just feels like so many things stem or flow from gratitude right in our own gospel library uh, there's a section that we can go to called topics and questions and under that section listen to what they say about gratitude that gratitude is a feeling of appreciation and thankfulness for blessings or benefits we have received And as we cultivate a grateful attitude, we are more likely to be happy and spiritually strong. We should regularly express our gratitude to God for the blessings he gives and to others for the kind acts they do for us. 
The Lord has promised that he who receiveth all things with thankfulness shall be made glorious. And gratitude is an uplifting, exalting attitude. And people are generally happier when they have gratitude in their hearts. We cannot be bitter, resentful, or mean-spirited when we're grateful. And I just, I, you know, Janie, I love that perspective, you know, that gratitude is directly linked to our happiness. And that if we want our children and grandchildren to be happy, then one of the things that we could do for them is to help them learn to be grateful. Like we've talked about before, that there's studies out saying that this generation of youth are more privileged, have been given more, have lived in more abundance, technology, everything, but they're the most unhappy, depressed, anxious generation ever. Right. And wow, couldn't we turn that around maybe if we instilled that attitude of gratitude in our children for the things that they do have and that they weren't so selfish and all about me and what am I going to get next and compare themselves to their neighbors, but looked in and looked to the Lord for the things that they are grateful for. Yeah. I always think about that. I think that's a great, a great, a great thought for sure. And a great thing to teach our children. You know, Mark, I feel like this year has been a really hard year for a lot of people. I feel like around us and in our own family, you know, there's just been a lot of heartache, a lot of trials, a lot of just challenge challenges, health issues for all of our loved ones and friends around us. And um, there's this quote by President Nelson where he says, these are the latter days. So none of us should be surprised when we see prophecy fulfilled. A host of prophets, including Isaiah, Paul, Nephi, and Mormon, foresaw that perilous times would come, that in our day the whole world would be in commotion, that men would be lovers of their own selves without natural affection, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, and that they would become servants of Satan who uphold the adversary's work. Indeed, you and I wrestle against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places, he says. Mm. As conflicts between nations escalate, as cowardly terrorists prey on the innocent, and as corruption in everything from business to government becomes increasingly commonplace, what can help us? What can help each of us with this, with our personal struggles and with the righteous challenge of living in these latter days? And I can't wait to hear. What? <laughs> what is it? And he goes on to tell us that it's finding joy in gratitude in our lives. And I think that is such an incredible statement and an incredible blessing and an incredible, incredible promise. And that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. I mean, Janie, this is so good that you're quoting from this talk of, of President Nelson's Joy and Spiritual Survival. He tells a story in here that I think will go with our theme of gratitude. He, Eliza R. Snow, second general president of the Relief Society, you know, she told this story. It's because of the extermination order in Missouri. It's 1838, and she and other saints were forced to flee the state that very winter. And one evening, Eliza's family spent the night in a small log cabin used by refugee saints. And much of the chinking between the logs had been extracted and burned for firewood by those who preceded them. So there were really just holes and cracks in the logs large enough for a cat to crawl through. That sounds pretty big, right? It was bitter cold and their food was frozen solid. And that night, some 80 people huddled inside the small cabin, only 20 feet square. Just imagine that in and of itself, right? Mm. 20 foot square room with 80, 80 people, people in it. And uh, he said, most sat or stood all night trying to keep warm. Outside, a group of men spent the night gathered around the ro a roaring fire with some singing hymns and other roasting frozen 
potatoes. But then this key point. And once again, this is from President Nelson's talk, Joy and Spiritual Survival. Eliza recorded, not a complaint was heard. All were cheerful. And judging from appearances, strangers would have taken us to be pleasure excursionists. You know, we may say uh, travelers on a cruise ship or something. Vacationers, yeah. Yeah. Rather, Rather than a band of gubernatorial exiles. Eliza's report, now back to President Nelson, Eliza's report of that exhausting, bone-chilling evening was strikingly optimistic. She declared, that was a very merry night. None but saints can be happy under every circumstance, she said. And then President Nelson, he said, that's it. Saints can be happy under every circumstance. We can feel joy even while having a bad day, a bad week, or even a bad year. And then this key. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. Back to my thought that just keeps ringing through my ears over and over and over again, that life is all about what you choose to focus on. You know, for example, I remember years ago, we were driving our daughter from Dallas, Texas to BYU-Idaho, and we took the whole family. We were going to make a vacation out of it. In the, in the middle of New Mexico, our car blew up. And I remember this trial and the struggle that was, the challenge. I mean, we really were in the middle of nowhere. You remember this, Janie, I'm sure, very well. Yeah. But, you know, we could focus on the fact that our car blew up, that we had to have our engine rebuilt and all those type of things. Or we could focus on the fact that actually where we were 40 miles west of Albuquerque, we were able to remember who that we had a friend who lived there that we were able to call, that they just happened to answer the phone on a Saturday afternoon, that they just happened to not have a lot going on and came all the way out to get us from, they, from where they lived in Albuquerque. And then in some miraculous way, our car was able to travel from Albuquerque to St. George, from St. George to Rexburg, from Rexburg to Dallas, and then only to have our mechanic say, I don't know how you did how that happened, but that car shouldn't have gone more than than five or ten miles with the damage that was to the engine, but you drove, you know, a couple thousand miles on it. But once again the idea is that we focus on, okay, when something horrible happens in our life, there are still good things that could surround that. You know, in the case of the car, okay, well there was someone nearby that, that actually helped us, you know, versus I'm so mad that my car is ruined. I mean, I just think that attitude, there's always a way to find a silver lining in most things. Yeah, I, I agree that that's a definite mindset. But what happens, Mark, when things are really hard, like things of eternal consequence happens, like your spouse dies early or you lose a child in an accident or you get a cancer diagnosis, you know, something big like that. How do you keep your focus? How do you keep that eternal perspective. Yeah. Well, I think President Uddorf's going to have some answers for us that we can focus on, but I I love something President Nelson taught. And once again, I would never want to say, here's the answer for everyone. But I know for him, here's what he would say, because he said it. And where did he say it? He said it a couple of years ago. It was November of 2020 in that worldwide you know, broadcast, that that worldwide message that he shared on gratitude. And one of the things he talked about is that he could focus on the loss of two of his daughters. He could focus on their, you know, death by cancer and the family members they left behind, children and spouses. 
But he said it, and his wife, Dansel. But he said, instead, I choose to focus on my incredible, wonderful time with them. You know, the wonderful memories that we had together. You know, the, the things that drew us together as a family. And their memory and how, and how their memory is preserved now in the lives of those grandchildren that he sees who look just like their mom or have the same kind of character traits or... There's always a way to look at something in it through the eyes of gratitude. And, I, and once again, I, I do not want to pretend that I have the answers to those difficult, difficult situations. But I can draw strength from a living prophet who said, here's what I did in that situation. Yeah, I love that. Here's also what Elder Uchtdorf said in his talk, Grateful in Any Circumstance. He was talking about how he has listened to people's problems all over the world and felt their heartbreak and felt their devastation of the things that they're going through. And he said, often their grief is caused by what seems to them as an ending. Some are facing the end of a cherished relationship, such as the death of a loved one or estrangement from a family member. Others feel they are facing the end of hope, the hope of being married or bearing children or, be, or overcoming an illness. Others may be facing the end of their faith as confusing and conflicting voices in the world tempt them to question, even abandon what they once know was true. Sooner or later, he said, I believe that all of us experience times when the very fabric of our world tears at the seams, leaving us feeling alone, frustrated, and adrift. It can happen to anyone. No one is immune. Mm, wow. And I think we have all had opportunities, <laughs> if you can say that, <laughs> times in our life where we literally feel that, where we feel the devastation that we, I mean, we're not going to get out of this world without trials, without... Significant, um, significant challenges, challenges right. and heartache. But let's go on and talk about, let's listen to what President Uchtdorf has and the counsel he has for us because I think it is so profound. Everyone's situation is different and the details of each life are unique. Nevertheless, I have learned that there is something that will take away the bitterness that may come into our lives. There's one thing we can do to make life sweeter even joyful and even glorious. We can be grateful. It might sound contrary to the wisdom of the world to suggest that one who is burdened with sorrow should give thanks to God. But those who set aside the bottle of bitterness and lift instead the goblet of gratitude can find a purifying drink of healing, peace, and understanding. As disciples of Christ, we're commanded to thank the Lord our God in all things, to sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving, and to let our heart be full of thanks unto God. Why does God command us to be grateful? All of his commandments are given to make blessings available to us. Commandments are opportunities to exercise our agency and to receive blessings. Our loving Heavenly Father knows that choosing to develop a spirit of gratitude will bring us true joy and great happiness. You know, Janie, I know that we love this talk, Grateful in Any Circumstance. Love what President Udorf just said. And his approach and his suggestion on how we express gratitude and what we focus on with gratitude, I think, is very, very unique. 
I love it because I think during Thanksgiving, especially with our young children, you know, or even with our families, we go around the table, we list everything we're grateful for, you know, we're grateful for our homes and our cars and our jobs and the air conditioning and the heat and warm blankets or and steak and (laughs) you know computers our phone you know all the things well we've even expanded that over the years right where now you have a big sheet of paper hanging up on our entire sliding door and i love that tradition and everyone comes and writes what they're thankful for right right And and it is a great tradition to think of all the bazillions of ways the lord has blessed us right the all the material things we have but I love how Elder Uchtdorf, Elder Uchtdorf approaches it a little differently. He said, what if perhaps focusing on what we are grateful for is the wrong approach? It is difficult to develop a spirit of gratitude if our thankfulness is only proportional to the number of blessings that we can count. Mm. He said, true, it is important to frequently count our, count our blessings. And anyone who has tried this knows that there are many. He said, but I don't believe the Lord expects us to be less thankful in times of trial than in times of abundance and ease. In fact, most of our scriptural references do not speak of gratitude for things, but rather suggest an overall spirit or attitude of gratitude in any circumstance. Yeah, at all times, right? Yeah. And he says, I'm suggesting that instead of being thankful for things, we focus on being thankful in our circumstances, whatever they will be. And that's a really higher, holier way of thinking, right? They think that instead of just counting, you know, one through a hundred. Name them one by one, that's what the song (laughs) says, right? And that's all great. But I think we need to do that all the time. In any circumstance, high or low, good or bad, rain or shine, we need to always see the good, see the Lord's tender mercies in our life and be grateful for how he has blessed us. I know in my own life. I think the hardest times that I've ever experienced in my life is when I really saw the Lord's hand in my life and I saw Mm -hmm. other people come to my rescue or to my aid or, you know, came or said the right things for me at the right time. It's not in the ease, you know, that I, when in the ease, I get selfish and lazy and content and, and even my prayers probably get lax. But in the times that we are desperately seeking the Lord, I think in our hardest, deepest, darkest times is when we really can see the hand the hand of the Lord in our life. Right. And I think, you know, not to discredit President Udorf at all, to build on what he's saying, I think that there is kind of a lesser law, which is, hey, let's counter. Actually, the lesser law is let's not do anything. I mean, we, and we've seen Thanksgivings like that before or just periods of life where people just aren't grateful at all. They just don't express it. Children have not been taught to express it. And so maybe level one, as we get into this area of of teaching our children to be grateful, is yeah, we let's identify the blessings. Let's identify, you know, the how things much that we, abundance we do have. Yeah, and the things, everything does come from the Lord. Right, exactly. And let's yeah, let's count some blessings. I mean, the hymn does say that we ought to count our blessings, right? But I think the next level of discipleship, the next level of spirituality, now moves into what President Udorf is talking about which is this idea of being grateful no matter what's going on in our life. You know, you're you're laying on the bed at the hospital and what is it that you're grateful for, you know? And I know that we've been in circumstances where wow, I'm grateful for that car accident even though our car's ruined that we're all alive, right? Or I'm grateful with that diagnosis that I just received that there's a treatment for it. Or I'm grateful for... There's amazing doctors that were at the right time in the right place or the right circumstance to help me. Right. But it, but the idea of having this 
this attitude of gratitude at all times, no matter what the circumstances are, is a really key, is a real key to our spiritual development, our spiritual strength, and into Christ-like attributes, like President James E. Faust was talking about, that, that this virtue of gratitude is a gateway that opens the door to so many other Christ-like virtues. And that's why it's so crucial that we're teaching it all the time to our children and grandchildren. Yeah, Mark, that really reminds me back to Elder Uchtdorf's talk, but he makes a really good point that we can choose to choose gratitude, right? Gratitude is a choice. It's a choice. We, again, like President Nelson said, it's, you know, in any, in any circumstance, you know, no matter what's going on around us, we can choose gratitude. And I love the, the example of Nephi. And he said, when his brothers, tied him up on the ship, which he, which he had built (laughs) to take them to the promised land. His ankles and wrists were so sore that they had swollen exceedingly and a violent storm threatened to swallow him up in the depths of the sea. Nevertheless, Nephi said in the book of Mormon, I did look unto God and I did praise him all the day long. And I did not murmur against the Lord because of mine afflictions. Hmm. Wow. And that's just so admirable. I love that story of Nephi. I mean, I love Nephi for so many reasons, but I love that about him, that he sat out there for day, you know, what was it, three days in the storm and just took it and just praised the Lord and never once complained. Yeah, because maybe he knew how, what the outcome would be. He knew the worst possible outcome, right? And was grateful for what, what he had. Yeah, another example is like the Mormon pioneers, you know, as they came across the plains, we've heard, all heard the stories of the treacherous circumstances that they came through. And it said, um, they maintained a spirit of gratitude along their slow and painful trek towards the Great Salt Lake, even singing and dancing and glorying in the goodness of God. Many of us would have been inclined to withdraw and complain and agonize about the difficult journey. I mean, I've been on trek before and I complained <laughs> the whole time. I can't even imagine, you know. Honey, you didn't complain. <laughs> I did complain, <laughs> even if I didn't verbally, I did in my head. <laughs> so I can't even imagine. But they, every night, they would just be so happy and sing and dance and praise the Lord. And and then I like this example about the prophet Joseph Smith, who was always positive. He was just such a great example of positivity. But while he was a prisoner in Liberty Jail, he said, Dearly beloved brethren, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power And then maybe we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. And I, and I love that because I think there's a lot of times in our life when bad things are going on that we just need to be still. We need to trust in the Lord. We need to praise the Lord and watch, watch him take over and take care of us. Stand back and watch those miracles unfold. Exactly. So we can choose to be grateful no matter what is going on. And I think those are great examples. Um, Right from our scriptures. I do too. And President, we can you know, teach our children. Right. I was just going to say, President Udorf is so poetic and powerful. In fact, I'll just share this, Janie. Um, all of this is coming from his talk that we're quoting right now. But he says, he said that we sometimes think that being grateful is what we do after our problems are solved. But how terribly short-sighted that is. How much of life do we miss by waiting to see the rainbow before thanking God that there is rain. Isn't that awesome? And then so being, great. being grateful in times of distress does not mean that we are pleased with our circumstances. It does mean 
that through the eyes of faith we look beyond our present-day challenges. Well, he talks about how gratitude is just a healer, you know, and I, I'm reminded of something Joseph F. Smith said many years ago about gratitude when he taught this, that the grateful person sees so much in the world to be thankful for, and with them the good outweighs the evil. Love overpowers jealousy, and light drives darkness out of this life. Pride destroys our gratitude and sets up selfishness in its place. How much happier we are in the presence of a grateful and loving soul, and how careful we should be to cultivate through the medium of a prayerful life, a thankful attitude toward God and man. And I think Joseph F. Smith is teaching us that one of the ways to become a grateful person is through prayer, right? I mean, if we are expressing through our prayers our our gratefulness, um, I think that's a great start. And that's something that we certainly can teach our children and grandchildren just to offer a prayer of thanks without asking for anything. What a great starting place, I think. Exactly. Mark, that reminds me of a couple experiences that Elder Bednar shares about only praying for things of gratitude and not asking and how powerful that is. Mm. Elder Bednar told of an occasion when he and his family were hosting a member of the Quorum of the Twelve in their home. The family had learned of the unexpected death of a friend and their immediate desire was to request blessings for the surviving spouse and children. When it came time to kneel in family prayer, the apostle, unaware of the tragedy, suggested that the prayer be exclusively an expression of thanks for blessings received. Sister hmm. Bednar, who offered the prayer, responded in faith to the direction. Our family learned from that experience a great lesson about the power of thankfulness in meaningful prayer. Elder Bednar reflected, because of and through that prayer, our family was blessed with inspiration about a number of issues that were pressing upon our minds and stirring our hearts. Hmm. So strong. I love it. In another talk, Elder Bednar said, The most meaningful and spiritual prayers I have ever experienced contain many expressions of thanks and few, if any, requests. Isn't that powerful? Yeah, I like that. Yes. As I am blessed now to pray with apostles and prophets, I find among these modern-day leaders of the Savior's Church the same characteristic that describes Captain Moroni in the Book of Mormon— these are men whose hearts swell with thanksgiving to God for the many privileges and blessings which he bestows upon his people. Oh, mm. What a great tribute to the apostles. And he says, let, let me recommend, and this I think should be our LDS today, which we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about in a few minutes, but sure. he said, let me recommend that periodically you and I offer a prayer in which we only give thanks and express gratitude. Ask for nothing. Simply let our souls rejoice and strive to communicate appreciation with all the energy of our hearts. Oh, that's so powerful. It's a great and, invitation. I and I've actually it. done that a few times, and it really does change your heart. It really takes the focus off of what's going wrong in my life and all the things I'm kind of my wish list that I'm asking God for and asking Heavenly Father for, and it totally turns it back around to being so thankful, but then you also walk away feeling humble and almost meek and like overwhelmed by the you know blessings that you have in your life. It really does change your whole attitude. I think it changes the connection that we have with our Heavenly Father, you know. Yeah, totally. We're going to conclude today with, I think, one of my favorite gratitude stories. I heard this years ago, and I think it's one that if you wanted to share with your family, you could. Here, Here's how the story goes. It's an old man who walks down a Florida beach. The sun sets like an orange ball on the horizon. The waves slap the sand. The smell of salt water stings the air. The beach is vacant, no sun to entice the sunbathers. 
Not enough light for the fishermen. So aside from a few joggers and strollers, this gentleman is alone. He carries a bucket in his bony hand, the bucket of shrimp. It's not for him. It's not even for the fish. It's for the seagulls. He walks to an isolated pier, casting gold by the setting sun. He steps to the end of the pier. The time has come for the weekly ritual. He stands and waits. Soon the sky becomes a mass of dancing dots. The evening silence gives way to the screeching of birds. They fill the sky and then cover the moorings. They are on a pilgrimage to meet the old man. For a half an hour or so, the bushy-browed, shoulder-bent gentleman will stand on the pier, surrounded by the birds of the sea until the bucket is empty. But even after the food is gone, his feathered friends still linger. They linger as if they're attracted to more than just food. They perch on his hat, they walk on the pier, and they all share a moment together. Can you see this scene? His name was Captain Eddie Rickenbacker, and every Friday night until his death in 1973, he would walk with a large bucket of shrimp slightly stooped over to an old broken-down pier on the eastern seacoast of Florida. Something happened in October of 1942. And remember, as we break out of the story for a minute, this was 1973 when he passes away. But in 1942, it's what prompted this man for the next 30 years to feed seagulls every Friday night, 1,500 plus Fridays in a row. Because back in 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was sent on a mission to deliver a message to General Douglas MacArthur. With a hand-picked crew in a B-17 known as the Flying Fortress, he set off across the South Pacific. Somewhere, the crew became lost. The fuel ran out and their plane went down. All eight crew members escaped into life rafts. They battled the weather, the sharks, and the sun. But most of all, they battled the hunger. After eight days, their rations were gone. They ran out of options. It would take a miracle for them to survive. And the miracle occurred. After an afternoon devotional service that was closed with a prayer for deliverance and a hymn of praise, the men tried to get some rest. As Rickenbacker was dozing with his hat over his eyes, something landed on his head. He would later say, I knew that it was a seagull. I don't know how I knew, but I just knew. And everyone else knew too. No one said a word, but peering out from under my hat brim, without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were staring at that goal, and the goal meant food, if we could catch it. And he did. The flesh was eaten, the intestines were used as fish bait, and the crew survived. Question. What was a seagull doing hundreds of miles away from land? Only God knows, but for whatever reason, he was there. And because he was there, and because Captain Eddie never forgot for 30 years, every Friday evening about sunset, on a lonely stretch along the eastern Florida seacoast, you can see an old man walking, white-haired, bushy-eyebrowed, slightly bent, his bucket filled with shrimp and his heart full of thanks, to remember that one who, on a day long past, gave itself without a struggle so that he could live. Now, I love that story, and you probably can Google it, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker and the Goals, or if you'd love to, or if you'd like to, email us at Preserving Families Podcast at Gmail. We'll send it to you, but it's a great story to share with our families, and it's a great reminder of gratitude and how that gratitude 
can be carried out consistently over and over and over again. Sometimes most of us, I think it's human nature, but most of us remember and we can be grateful, but maybe not for 30 years. Maybe we're grateful for, you know. A day or a moment or (laughs) an afternoon. (laughs) Sure. But to be grateful like that is a great lesson, I think, to all of us. Thanks for being with us for a few minutes this week. We know this is a busy week with family and holidays and Thanksgiving and <laughs> a lot of things going on. A lot of things sure. going on. So we wanted to keep it short and sweet this week. But again, let's do our LDS. Let's do something. And again, I'm just going to reiterate what the invitation that Elder Bednar gave. And he said, let me recommend that periodically you and I and our families, let's do that this week, offer a prayer in which we only give thanks and express gratitude. Ask for nothing. Simply let our souls rejoice and strive to communicate appreciation with all the energy of our hearts. And mm. I couldn't say it better. <laughs> Amen. Great... Amen, Elder Bednar. And once again, that's this is the principle that you want to teach and share with your family, with your children and with your grandchildren and anyone else around. So everyone, thank you once again for being with us uh, on this occasion for this episode. We have, hope you have a wonderful week, a great, wonderful Thanksgiving. We'll see you next time.